Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen and Friends. If Watch With Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is Robert Daniels. Thoughtful, articulate, insightful, and friendly. Chicago-based freelance film critic Robert Daniels is a Rotten Tomatoes-approved critic with a master's degree in English. The founder of the website 812 Film Reviews, you can find the prolific writer's bylines at such notable outlets as RogerEbert.com, The Playlist, Polygon, and Consequence of Sound, among others. I am so pleased to bring him on to Watch with Jen today. Welcome, Robert. Well, I just want to say thank you again for doing this. That's so nice of you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me. You've had a lot of people on who I really like. (laughs) Oh, good, good. Glad to hear it. Yeah, I've been reading you for some time and knew I wanted to ask you and I didn't want to like hit up everyone at first, so I do appreciate Mm it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, how are you doing and how are you adapting to pandemic life? Um adapting still <laughs> like, yeah you know, but i feel uh, I, I guess pretty good you know um it's weird because like i've been writing more than ever uh-huh. and um so and i haven't been watching i a couple months ago uh maybe a month and a half ago i told myself i wasn't going to watch the news anymore so i haven't been yeah. watching the news and i've felt a lot better <laughs> i know i've had to limit it like severely Mm-hmm. Yeah, I allow myself Rachel Maddow, and of course I read the news, but only a little. Otherwise, it's too hard to focus. It's like, yeah, it's just too much, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I had a few days where I didn't write because I was just like watching the news, you know. So I was just I, yeah. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I know. I think at first it was so much shock that Mm -hmm. it was for a few weeks it was like how do you write during this time like you just couldn't but Mm -hmm. then yeah I think that really did help for sure so the first house you live in Chicago the first house I remember living in was in a suburb of Chicago it was Naperville but this was like in the early 80s so it was like nothing like it is now because I know it's pretty ritzy I've heard and yeah back then it was just you know rolling hills or it wasn't that well developed and you are the second proud Chicagoan to appear on this podcast after Rob Belushi so what is the critic scene and film scene like in Chicago during normal times and how'd you get involved um yeah so the critic scene in Chicago is pretty tight-knit um there aren't as many critics here as say in new york or in la like everyone pretty much knows everybody um and also we also have like um uh, like one of the festivals here is the chicago critics film festival i think it is the only film festival that is programmed by critics um really that's cool yeah so they, they always have a great great selection Fortunately, it didn't happen this year, but hopefully next year. Um, yeah. But usually a lot of the Chicago critics come together for that. And, yeah, no, it's just a really tight-knit community. Um, and then I got into it uh, kind of haphazardly. Um, oh, yeah. Where <laughs> I didn't – I mean, like, I 
never had in my head, oh, I'm going to be a film critic. You know, I'm going to do film. You know, I went to school for English. That's what my, you know, my bachelor's and my master's in. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I don't know why, but like, I've always, I've, you know, I've I've always had an interest in film. And so one day, uh, I will actually know, in grad school, I took a, um, a digital publishing class which was basically showing you like how to create your own website and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so um, I uh, took that class and maybe, um, I don't know, wait a couple months after I took that class, I was like, Oh, it'd be great if I made a film website. And so I made a film website Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, did some stuff, you know, and then someone was like, Oh, well, you know, if you really want to move up in film criticism, what you should do is you should try to attend local festivals. And I was like, cool. What's the mm-hmm. soonest local festival? And it was Chicago Critics Film Festival. And, oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so that was the first film festival I'd ever been to. But it was great because the, I'm part of Chicago Indie Critics. That's my critics group. And the head of Chicago Indie Critics, one of the heads, was at the festival. And we got to talking. He said, oh, you should apply for Chicago Indie Critics. And I applied, got in. And then the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> oh, that's marvelous. Yeah, your website is 812 Film Reviews? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you specialize, or is it just all film? Yeah, it's just all film. Um, I don't do TV that often. Um, yeah, I, have, I don't really either much. Yeah, I have a very short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't do TV that often, um, but I I do do film. Um, and I don't really have... A, like some people have like a niche, like... You know, they, some people do exclusively genre films, you know, some people do exclusively, you know, foreign, or if you want to get even more niche, like, you know, like um, German cinema or something like that. You know, I don't really have a niche. I just got to review what I review, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, as long as it's a good movie or not even a good movie, but as long as it's a movie, I'll probably watch it. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. One of the things I admire most about your work is your willingness to take a bold stand. And not just follow the lead of film Twitter in championing the same few films, because there are like five or six we hear about all the time. So what are some movies, these don't have to be films from 2020, that you wish people talked about as much as they do like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, man, the list (laughs) (laughs) is is really, 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 really long. Um, I know. <laughs> there's so much stuff that like I'll catch at a festival, you know, that feels like, oh man, I wish that had taken off. Um, yeah. You know, like you know, Miss Purple is a film. Um, okay. I think that was at um, someone wrote about it recently, and now I'm blanking on it. But that was at Sundance, and that was interesting because it was, um, if I remember the synopsis correctly. It was about, um, oh, I'm going to fudge this up, but it's about, it's about like an, a young Asian girl who is like torn between her like familial responsibilities of taking care of her father who's in a coma mm-hmm. and then um, also trying to be financially independent. And then also um, uh, she has like a really rocky relationship with her brother um so it's like a family drama 
Um, and I really like that film. I wish that film had taken off, but it felt like no one was talking about it or no. Oh. <laughs> um, I had one of my favorite performances in it. Um, let's see, let's see, Clemency. People don't talk about that enough, though. I do feel like that's a very film Twitter thing, anyways. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, people have recently started talking about Last Black Man in San Francisco. Finally, um, a lot more people started talking about that film. Yeah, I don't know. It's there's just so many films. It's hard for them to come to mind right now. But like, yeah, some of them are like, this is some of them are like festivals. They're you know they'll fall off after a festival, and no one will talk about them. Uh, Loose. I wish more people talked about Loose. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of like, uh, like black film Twitter talks about Loose. You know, Mm -hmm. but like. Nah, not many people on white films oh, are talking about. Unfortunately, <laughs> I know. It's an amazing uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Um, yeah, there's just so many films. So, so, so many films. I know. Uh, it's just... I'm, yeah, I'm notorious for doing the thing where I see one at a festival or I get a screener and I'm like, oh, this is going to be the biggest word of mouth hit. And one that I actually I try not to like insert that stuff in a review, obviously, for these reasons. But one I was like, this is going to be like Little Miss Sunshine or once kind of was Hearts Beat Loud. And like, nobody, oh. yeah, it just kind of fell off the face of the earth. And it's like, what is wrong with people? But yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, We the Animals is another film. Oh, no I one talks about that, that movie. Yes. No one talks about that film, and that film is spectacular. It is. Um, I that's that's my one. That's the film. It's We the Animals. No one yes. talks about it. <laughs> okay, I will talk about it anytime. Start a conversation. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, your thoughtful and insightful work is always an eye-opening must-read. So, what first got you interested in film and writing about movies? Um, yeah, so film is interesting because, like, I wasn't a kid who grew up necessarily with films. Uh, I was always more into books. Okay, sure. <laughs> and, and so, like, film was very much, like, a late-blooming kind of thing. Um, and so, like, you, when I got to about high school, I started kind of like, oh, you know. We've got TCM. What's that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then when I got to college, I took a few film classes. And there was one film class that was taught by Michael Glover Smith, who's a local Chicago filmmaker. He did, he made a film called Rendezvous in Chicago that had some like, you know, some festival buzz. And Mm -hmm. so he was my professor for one. And uh, his class was just fantastic. We watched everything from Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half to uh, um, was uh, Ali Fear Eats the Soul from Fassbender. Oh, um, yeah. Um, and you know, uh, Hashed of Joan of Arc from Dreyer, and like, yeah, you know, it it was just a lot of like nice, you know, get started kind of fest, you know, cinema kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, food for thought. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Um, Eight and a Half was the film. I feel like Eight and a Half very much actually summarizes me as a critic because I we watched the film in class. I absolutely loved the film. I'd never seen anything like it. 
uh, you know, um, and at the end of the class, uh, uh, Professor Smith was just like, hey, uh, we're going to do a poll of all the films we watched, and I want you guys to vote on which ones you loved, right? Uh-huh. And, like, eight and a half was at the bottom. <laughs> oh, my God. Eight and a half was at the bottom. Now, granted, I will say, like, we watched a lot of great films. You know, oh, every one of the films was, like, a banger, you know, but... Yeah. Um, but no, it was. But the interesting thing was like the people who didn't like that film really didn't like that film, and the people who loved that film absolutely loved that film. And what I realized very quickly is I love divisiveness. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and and I love filmmakers who swing for the fences who give me something I've never seen before. And mm-hmm. um, I feel like I didn't know it at the time, but that's probably how I got started in film criticism, <laughs> wanting to write about good. films. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. I was just talking with um, Blake Howard and Travis Woods recently about ambitious failures and how you will take an ambitious failure over somebody that plays it safe any day of the week. Like, it's more interesting. Not that eight and a half, oh my God, is not an ambitious failure. It's a masterpiece, (laughs) of course. But somebody, like you said, who swings for the fences it's always interesting the, rather than just plays it safe or gives us something we've seen like a million times. So what is your take on that? Do you agree? Do you like the risk taking or are you eh? Yeah. I mean, the films that I find interesting are probably not the films that people would find would attach the word great to. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, like, I love cats. I was gonna put it oh, on. Oh, you there. did? Okay. Interesting. Um, I love cats. I was I saw I cats. I've seen it. <laughs> I saw cats in episode Star Wars episode nine the same day, and I prefer cats because I was like, you know what? And at, 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 at least you know <laughs> they put it all was, out there. They they put it all out there. It was, it was their vision. They wanted to do it. That's what they got. You all know, right. it didn't work. But, like, you know what? I applaud the ambition. Uh, same thing with anything by the Wachowskis. Uh, I was just yeah. watching um, Cloud Atlas is one of my favorite films, like, okay. ever. Not a perfect film. Far from it. But I love the ambition. I was just watching Jupiter Ascending last night. Forgot how baddie that film is. Um, uh-huh. And so, yeah, no, I love, I will always take a film. I will excuse a risk taker every single time. Yeah. And... If it's like a 50-50 call on like, you know, if I was doing like Rotten Tomatoes between positive and rotten, if it's ambitious, I'll choose positive every single time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, great points. Well, let's say the pandemic is completely over. There's a vaccine. We can all go to the movies again safely. And your favorite Chicago theater called. They asked you to program any three to five movies, or let's say it's the Chicago Critics Fest, and they're asking you specifically to program any, like, three to five movies you want. It can be a theme or just a few favorites. What would you like mm-hmm. to show? Oh, man. People are coming I out of a pandemic. If I want something uplifting, right? You know? Um, ooh. It's tricky. I know. Um, I don't know. I that's hard. That's really hard. I guess the easiest thing would just to like pick a filmmaker and, sure. and go from there. Yeah. Um, probably the Wachowskis. 
Okay. Uh, probably also because like the they're local. They're actually from Chicago. They're um, local filmmakers. Um, so yeah, they're always in. I would do it at the music box because the music box is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, last was it last year or was it even before last, but they had a a, a print of the Wachowskis' first film, Bound. Um, Love that movie. Yeah. And oh yeah, it's just fantastic. Just just fantastic. So yeah, probably something like like a triple feature of Bound, uh, The Matrix. Uh, and like Cloud Atlas just to fuck everyone up at the end <laughs> yeah why not yeah. I almost said music box theater but I like I didn't want to just choose one but I like that you're we're in sync we know what's going on yeah. <laughs> well I'm always intrigued to see the advice and some of the gentle reprimands you occasionally dole out to those writing about film on Twitter everybody needs to follow Robert so what are a few things you would advise aspiring critics to keep in mind when writing about movies that you wish you would have known starting out? Oh, I mean, um, just be honest. That's it. Yeah. That's your, your voice is going to come from your honesty. Um, also you don't have to pull punches, right? But Mm -hmm. there's a way to be honest without and and not dunking on a film <laughs> like, yeah you know there you know in the end you know it's so hard to make a film it's even harder to make a good film mm-hmm. and even the worst film deserves some respect for just being made um i mean yeah. unless it's like you know terribly insensitive but you know um even even the worst film deserves some respect for being made it's just like Keep in mind, there are real people behind this. There are people yeah. who poured in a lot of effort, you know, a lot of their lives into this. Some people, it wasn't just a paycheck. Some people really was like, you know, they, you know, they hope it's going to be their big break or something, you know. Um, and they've done work that they're proud of. And there's, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a way to be critical, but not, you know, a total just douche. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where you have to take apart every single thing. Exactly. Well, I really enjoyed your Netflix thread on Defy Bloods, on the father dynamic that's been recurring throughout all of Spike Lee's films. Lee obviously agrees. He retweeted it. Um, I will definitely link to it here as well. But for those listening who might not have access to Twitter, can you sum up what you found in his movies and what moved you so much with it in Defy Bloods, which I loved as well. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like um, I'm always drawn to father-son films <laughs> or, like, at least, you know, films that have, like, difficult dynamics between the pair. Um, and Lee, I've, I've just kind of, like, noticed it was a recurring thing. And uh, I didn't really pay any mind to it. But then, I don't know, I got this, um, I bought a Bamboozle on the Criterion, yeah. Lee's great. Yeah, just masterpiece. Yeah, I know. And in the supplementary, he has this interview with Ashley Clark where he's, he's like, he like just drops it in there for a second. He's like, oh yeah, you know, it's, I wanted to keep exploring father son dynamics. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that. So when I watched like The Five Bloods, the first thing that came to mind was like, oh yeah, there's that, there's just that pattern, thing. you know. And what I find interesting about the way that, he portrays father-son dynamics is the fact that well 
black filmmakers, I mean, the idea of a black filmmaker having a long, distinguished, well-known career is mm-hmm. a pretty recent phenomenon, <laughs> unfortunately, know. you know? And so, like, there aren't, you know, usually, like, a you know, black filmmaker, they'll have, like, one film, and maybe they won't direct again for a while, you know? And so it's hard to pick out themes from some black filmmakers. But the great thing about Spike Lee is that he's been doing it so long that, like, it's easier to pick out those themes. And he is probably one of the very few black filmmakers where you could say, oh, yes, that is a person who is actually who has had the opportunity to dissect the black father within the black community um, or, you know, or just culture. Um, And what I found is that like, he doesn't, he takes like black fathers out of the stereotypical, right. Mm -hmm. Where in the nineties, you know, the cliche was that black fathers are absentee, you know, they're all in jail or criminals, you know, and of the father-son dynamics that Lee portrays, there's only one that's like that of the five films. And that's, um, um, uh, he's got game. Um, the only one that he does that with, but all his other black fathers are, they're professionals or, you know, artisans, um, uh, they're comedians um, like Paul Mooney's Junebug and Bamboozled. And mm-hmm. so, like, I just love the three-dimensionality that he gives Black fathers. And I think it really comes through in um, in The Five Bloods, which is probably the most fraught relationship other than he that, that he's portrayed other than he got game. Uh, he's got game. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I just thought the emotional tenor was something that we just don't see very often, you know, on film. Mm-hmm. And it, it could have really, Spike is probably the only person it could have come from because, you know, Spike has been, he's explored it so much. Yeah, and it was Delroy Lindo who was the father in Crooklyn, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that was a nice little return to that one as well, for sure. Yeah. Well, what have you been watching lately? Is there anything you'd like to recommend? Um. Let's see. What have I been watching? I've been like a lot of people. I'm watching a lot of genre films like Relic. Um, yeah. And um, the Beach House. Was but, that good? I've heard interesting things on it. Mixed. I like the Beach House. I mean, it was. You know, it it was a creature feature kind of thing. You know, gotcha. it was very. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, I like that it, it kind of threw together. It was kind of zombie, too. It was also like a zombie element, too. And like I like that it threw together different um, facets of, of genre filmmaking um, for kind of like a unique vision. I mean, some people, I think, thought it was, it was like, you know, it, there wasn't much to it. It was being held together by much. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I thought it was like visually interesting. <laughs> cool. Yeah, uh, anything else besides so are you a horror buff or No, not I mean like I I like genre films. I definitely would not call me myself a genre critic cuz I know genre critics and like their yeah, knowledge they... like that. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. My, you know, I do <laughs> love genre filmmaking though, but I I would not call myself an expert um um yeah, I'm trying to 
think about anything I've watched recently. Let's see. IFC Films has some stuff that now I'm blanking on. Uh, oh, yeah, the rental. I didn't like that at all. Okay. I did not like that at all. But no, I've been, uh, lately I've been going through Criterion Channel's Western Noir. Um, yes. And that's been good. Yeah, that's been yeah. really good. Yeah, um, I love Blood on the Moon. I reviewed the uh, Warner Archive Blu-ray of it a couple months ago, and it was so gorgeous. So I was so excited to see Criterion put that one on as well. Were there any others in the series that you really enjoyed? or Because I think I saw your tweet about Blood on the Moon, I believe. Yeah, I really liked Blood on the Moon. Uh, um, I liked Lust for Gold with Glenn Ford. I, well, I liked it, but I thought it was kind of choppy. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rancho Notorious by Fritz Long, though. That was interesting. <laughs> oh, interesting, uh, yeah. And uh, uh, was um, I'm blanking now. Oh, Marlena Dietrich was in it, and she's the lead. And I just thought it was like interesting because it was like, oh, like um, by this point, by that point, she was 50, you know, and yet she was still kind of like a romantic lead. Um, and yeah. but she was like, she's playing this aging, like burlesque kind of singer slash like you know, um, she, you know, guardian of outlaws. And, <laughs> you know, she, there's this young man that takes an interest in her. She's, you know, kind of rediscovering her, you know, her sexual power and, um, not, or like not rediscovering it, but like is, you know, thrilled that someone is rediscovering it, you know, for her. Yeah. And, and yeah, no, I just, I liked that dynamic a lot, and it's something I've not. It's it's something that still feels like you know revolutionary. You know, you don't it really see, would, yeah. <laughs> you don't really see um, older women as 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 you know romantic leads, unfortunately. Um, even like what um, uh, a couple years ago, Frances McDormand, right, was like one of the you know very few. Um, women over 50 to win best lead actress. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah the, it's rare. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Rancho Notorious a lot. Yeah, Marlena Dietrich always is such a great presence too in films. So when you described it, it was like, oh, that just shot to the top of the list. Need to watch that one <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so. I got five more films as part of the collection. I should finish them by the end of the month, I think. I don't know how many are leaving uh, Criterion at the, uh, you know, in a few days, but I'm trying to get all that section done. <laughs> I just talked to Julia Ricci earlier today, and mm -hmm. she was recommending same series. Um, I think it was called Station West was the one she really liked from there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Station West. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I need to see that one as well. I know, it's towards the end of the month when you visit that <laughs> section where it says what's leaving and you start to like feel the rising panic. Like, oh my God, I have to stay up for four nights in a row. No, I'm just kidding. And like watch all of these great movies before they leave. But yeah. Yeah, I always end up, um, you know, especially at the end of the month because like usually my assignments start cooling down at the end of the month before I restart at the beginning. So I have like oh, okay. a one week gap where I could be like, okay, I'm gonna go for it and I'm gonna try to watch as much as I can. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, that's that's basically what I'm doing right now. But no, I, I yeah, I really love Station West. Um, and um, it's it's a re- yeah, it's a really you know fantastic film about like you know invent you know trying to find gold and there's a femme fatale in there. Um, you know, and then Burl Ives is like a as yeah. <laughs> like random. a hotel owner, you know. Yeah. There's a young Raymond Burr in it too before Perry Mason, you know. Um, yeah, it's yeah, I, I liked it. It very, you know, tightly constructed, um, no fussing about. Um, yeah, it's great, great kind of um, gold flick. <laughs> cool, sounds good. So beyond the Criterion Channel, like what other? Do you have any other subscriptions or which apps do you like to visit? Yeah, I mean, mostly it's criteria. I know, right? <laughs> you know, like, you know, Netflix, obviously, you know, um, Amazon Prime. Um, I haven't gotten an HBO Max yet because there's not a Roku version of it. yeah. The weirdest <laughs> launch ever. There's no Fire TV or Fire Stick. There's no Roku. It's like I have both <laughs> platforms. It doesn't work on any of them. It's like, come on. <laughs> so. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. So... Um, let's see. I don't know. Oh, movie, I guess, is another one that I've like. Oh, I've yeah, had. for yeah. sure. Um, but that's really about it. You know, I uh, it's it's so weird because I I spend so much time either reviewing new films mm-hmm. or you know, writing pieces about older films that the amount of time I get to use those platforms is very minimal. I know. Isn't it heartbreaking? You're like, I have no time to watch all of these. Yes. Because you have those subscriptions and you're like, there needs to be like, you want to get cloned like your Michael Keaton and multiplicity where, yeah, one of me is writing and the other one can just watch movies. That would be the best. No. Oh yeah. No, I wish I could. I really do wish I could. It's weird. Yeah. Cause like I get at the end of the month, and I'm like, yay! T- I finally have time to watch movies. And then I get at the month, at the end of the month, and like usually three days into watching movies, I'm like, oh, I need an assignment. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that funny? You like feel guilty for sitting around and watching. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that hard work ethic, Midwestern work ethic, gets us every time. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for doing this and for sitting down. It was so much fun to talk movies with you. And to get you to know you a little more, I've enjoyed interacting with you on Twitter. But this was a real treat, so I appreciate it. No, yeah, thanks for having me on. I mean, um, uh, and no, it's it's great interacting with you outside of Twitter. You know? I know, and it's not just words on a screen. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Robert. You have a good rest of your week. Thank you. You too. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen and Friends.